I'm Kylie, founder of Akanel Expeditions, the best adventure travel company that you've never heard of. This is a 35,000 feet podcast where we interview interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. From the next big CEO to coaches of your favorite teams to everyone in between, we've got stories to tell. Let's jump in. Hi guys, welcome back. It's Morgan. Today I'm sitting down with Coach Cameron. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, and we're excited to just get to know you better and learn more about your team and you and your travels that you've had. And so one of the first questions I wanted to ask you today is um, if you could tell us about the highs and lows of your season. I mean, uh, this year definitely had more lows than usual um, with our season getting canceled uh, halfway through. Yeah. Uh, everyone in the NCAA, we made three weeks of competition and then uh, again with the shutdown kind of closed down our season. So uh, you mm-hmm. have a lot of players that put years of uh, focus and activity to be prepared for these moments and to lose the the moments you compete for is definitely a low to watch. Um, some of the highs are we introduced a new system this year um, that actually is physical testing that's connected to personality and motor learning patterns. Whoa. Yeah. And so it's uh, actually uh, it, it kind of goes back to uh, survival instincts uh, example is if someone charged you, you'd either move left or right in order to be safe. Um, the same goes for athletes under stress, uh, eye dominance, the way you play the game. And so uh, this year was awesome because our players were able to self-teach and we were able to add an individualized coaching system wow. that allowed the players to uh, dialogue more instead of uh, telling them this is the only way to do it. And so that was awesome because it's just there's more pleasure or excitement off of the players whenever it's kind of their journey instead mm-hmm. of everyone in the same process going. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's very, it sounds like it's very personalized. Yes, it is. It is like there's four different types of systems and, and each player has their own direction, but it's still like a system instead of guessing, we know paths to help players down. Um, another high was we beat a, a ranked opponent this year um, inside the top 10. And so, again, that was a uh, high to watch our team who's been chasing that for a few years. You know, again, we, we lost some matches we didn't really lose too. So every season has the highs and lows. It's definitely low. <laughs> it's so true. Well, congrats on the highs that you've had and congrats on working through the lows that you've had, you know. It's awesome seeing how coaches talk about their team just overcoming adversity and things like that. Thank you. Well, how did you get to be a coach? Like, what's your story there? Um, I actually, I stumbled into uh, volleyball as a sport my freshman year in college. Um, it was the summer going in and uh, decided to give up pass to go into football or soccer. Uh, my parents wanted to kill me because uh, <laughs> they put so much money into those sports. Uh, and then it, it kind of took me around the country playing. So my first year, I kind of just staying home, learning. And then ended up getting picked up at a, uh, a Division II school in Kansas, which cut the program. And so then I went to a startup program in uh, Bristol, Tennessee. And so, again, it was definitely very challenging. Um, and I had to work faster than everyone else to get caught up in a game that most people have been playing for longer periods of time. Yeah. Um, and then I think every person kind of has multiple avenues they could take. Uh, for me, it was either uh, law school um, uh, flow management, communication, consulting, or coaching. And again, in coaching, we have a, we have more of an impact on our athletes, especially in, uh, female athletics. Uh, 
because uh, you're trying to kind of correct a different, um, I guess, gender stereotype norms as you try to fight a little bit more for equality for female athletes and individuals. Yeah. Uh, and so it's something I couldn't get away from. So I kind of followed it down the rabbit hole and uh, coached four years uh, as an indoor assistant down in McAllen, Texas. Wow. And got picked up uh, here because I knew the coach and so kind of helped start the beach program. And I'm also an indoor assistant. So it's kind of oh. very short. Wow. No, I – I love hearing how coaches get where they're going. It sounds like you've had quite like, you know, quite the experiences to get where you're at. Yeah. That's uh living in McAllen was definitely, um, I always compare it to the most, uh, the closest to living out of country because again, it's uh, you have a lot of people that kind of move over from Mexico and kind of just stay because oh, they're yeah. home. And ironically enough, even when there was a USA Mexico soccer game on, there were more people wearing uh, the Mexico jerseys. <laughs> so, uh, but with it comes a totally different culture than you ever really grew up in. So it was kind of nice to immerse in something different and see how other people live, you know? Yeah. Um, compared to the norms we kind of practice here in bigger cities in the U.S. You could live anywhere, but there's a different culture everywhere you go. Yeah, and that's like one of the norms uh, I really picked up quick was uh, – you know, we're very concise and always about the next task, I feel like, in the U.S. And they were more like, hey, you're not going to talk and hang out for a little bit? And I'm like, we got to talk to you. And they're like, we got to socialize. You got to enjoy life. And so you had to learn to play within those social norms a little more. Yeah, that was definitely an experience that kind of broadened the horizons for sure. Oh, that's so true. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I, I love your story and how, you know, you got to be a coach. And I can tell, I can tell the passion that you have for the sport, which – it's important when being, you know, being a coach or a player. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's why like a lot of coaches, unless you're uh, Nick Saban or um, I guess Coach K, you know, you're not making a ton more money than an educator would make. Uh, usually it's at, if not a little bit lower, but the hours you're putting in are usually 16 to 18 hour days to prep, travel, you know what I mean? A lot of time on the road. And so usually it's that passion and just the, the drive to do what you're doing, what keeps you there. Because again, a lot of college coaches could, you know, a lot of them branch out and do something else. So you get former lawyers or different people that get into college coaching. So it's kind of a place where you either have a passion for it or you're like, I can't survive in this ecosystem. <laughs> it's true. No, that's a great example. It's true. It's because there is so much time and effort that goes into being a coach. And I think it's easy from, like an outsider, outsider's view to not see all the work that goes into being a coach and a player. No, exactly. And that's, that's the part where, um, again, it's either glamorized or kind of uh, ridiculed. Um, but a lot of people don't understand the, uh, the hours the athletes put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at minimum doing a 20-hour work week usually. And when I say minimum is usually there's outside stuff that athletes are doing on their own, which is voluntary work. Um, but by NCAA standards, you have 20 hours to kind of work with them uh, in season. And so they're doing that and traveling while trying to get grades. And so, again, while there are plenty of athletes that get uh, full rides, a lot of players are on partials or walk-ons to get the experience. And so, I mean, the, the investment is the experience, uh, but they're definitely having to pay the price for four years while some people get a chance to take a spring break vacation or mm-hmm. – that, you know 
Yeah. Oh no, it's so true. It's so true. Like if you're an athlete wanting to play for a team or university, what would your advice be to them? I guess. So, so the one, the one piece of advice I always give people is everyone is always trying to, um, they're wanting to bend on what they value mm-hmm. to make an experience work. And I think the older you get, you learn that unless you stay true to yourself, the experience you end up with is, is not worthwhile. Um, so again, if, if there are certain criteria on schools athletes want, chase the school because most, most people, except for a recreational level, will leave with the degree and that's all. You yeah. know what I mean? You have the experience. But now college athletics has become kind of a bigger deal in society. Athletics in general keeps growing. And the desire to be an athlete or be able to associate with one, like whether it's your sports team in your city, your university in that football game, um, is uh, a lot of people overlook what will set them up in life or they start like catering to what they think a coach wants to hear. And, and it just, the longer you're in a program, uh, you're, who you are is going to show. Mm-hmm. So that authentic, authenticity needs to kind of stick because that's what's going to take you where you want to go. Like if you try to fake something, you, won't, you really won't make it very long because you'll burn out or want to quit. And so it's like, if you're good enough, you'll end up at the level you belong at. And again, that's where hard work has to get you there. Mm-hmm. But have some ideas of what you're looking for. A lot of athletes will show up and be like, whatever you want, coach. And you're like, well, hold on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sounds like a one-year possible transfer. Like, well, what are you really looking for? And, and again, that's where some coaches will do whatever it takes to bring them in. Uh, some coaches try to avoid that. Uh, so you're not looking at high transfer rates. But again, right now, the trend in society is student-athlete welfare is kind of the uptick. Mm. So protecting the individual is a big deal because uh, there just have been times where the athletes have been overlooked or kind of run on a little bit. And so they're trying to protect all parties involved, especially since it's become a bigger business. Mm-hmm. I really like that you pointed out too, like the authenticity, because I think that takes you far, not only in sports, but everywhere. You know, it's like, it's a good trait to have in general in life. Yeah, that's uh, we. I, I kind of have a theory that like the moment of pressure is going to reveal who who you are, and you can constantly train and practice to get better. But until you reach that next pressure moment, you don't really know the changes you've made. Because mm-hmm. in comfort, it's hard to show what you're really worth. You know? Yeah. No, it's so true. It's so true. Just being, and also I love how you mentioned like being real when you come and having you know expectations for what you want. I think. Those things are very important. So thank you for sharing those with us. Yeah, and a lot of athletes are scared that a question or being authentic might lose them the opportunity. And they don't realize, like, we're on the other side as coaches recruiting talent. So it's a two-way street. And so it's like, yeah, if you're maybe at the bottom of the depth chart, but if that's your dream school and you're, you're the kid, then you need to know that it's a good agreement for both sides, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh. No, it's so true. I, I, I love that advice. I really do. And I'm excited for people to hear that advice you gave, you know, for athletes that are wanting to play someday. So thank you. Seriously. What's one of your most memorable travel experiences? So again, I'll, I'll kind of start one, I guess in a, in a bad way, you know, <laughs> one of the most memorable experiences I have is I, uh, I flew, uh, to New Jersey to recruit, um, caught a flight, landed in LA, um, that night 
at 2 a.m., got three hours of sleep, uh, did a, another recruiting event, and then by the, that evening caught a red eye home because it was time to run a few camps in, uh, in town. And so there, there's plenty of stories where it's like pushing the one, one place to the next because, uh, again, there's, there's only so many coaches on our staff, pretty much me for beach and then a couple for indoor. Yeah. So, again, we're trying to get out there and see as much as we can. And oh. so it's, uh, that, that's one of the more challenging ones. Um, yeah. It's being the, busy. Yeah, one of the better things would be, I mean, again, we get to travel to cool locations uh, like Huntington or Mosa Beach, beaches in Seattle, yeah. uh, outdoor venues that except, you know, again, I've had a couple in, in January where it was like 23 degrees and then it's a negative, but uh, <laughs> in the summer where it's warm and, and awesome out in a place where most people want to be, um, it's hard to complain about that. Um, I guess I would add that one of my most memorable experiences like as an individual was a trip I took to Greece, uh, went over to Hania, um, kind of vacationing for a week to kind of get away. Um, and then again, I just, I love to network and meet people. And so I emailed a few people connected with the, the Greece Federation. Um, and then they actually had an adult tournament. And so me and a buddy wow. played in an adult tournament. Um, and it was quite the the spectacle because you know they don't get a lot of out of country people playing in tournaments, so everyone was watching the the U.S. players play uh, whoever the local players were that were good, and it just had had quite of a crowd of about seventy people around watching and like heckling and uh, some were heckling in in Greek, which we couldn't understand, and enough <laughs> English to joke around, and so. It's just the social side of that and the community that that volleyball really brings. Um, again, was supposed to do something similar this year in Sicily, but again, with the uh, travel restrictions and everything going on in the world, that trip got canceled. So, yeah, uh, an awesome experience. Oh no, I love that. I love listening to travel experiences too because there's so much you you can learn on those trips and so many new experiences. And I know you mentioned before we started, you talked about how you just meet so many different people, even on the flights. What are some of your insights on that? Being, uh, again, a, a coach, you typically have status with uh, airlines because you travel enough to reach those points. And so you get a lot of perks. But with those perks, you usually come running into people that, example, like uh, tend to be united just because we're out of Houston. And so, again, run into what they call a lot of 1K travelers, which are the business elite travelers that travel pretty much their entire lives. And I've run across people from random research that they're willing to just kind of toss out there without connecting their name to it, you know? Yeah. Uh, to like life experiences, like uh, running across people that w one person, his, his thing was uh, he kind of set up the infrastructure before the chaos hit. So whenever a virus would hit, uh, Ebola hit in Africa or something, he went in, you know? And so it's like stuff like that, that you learn off people is, is, is amazing. Cause you get to hear life experiences that you may never actually have. And I compare it kind of to, you know, when you go to a movie, you're getting an experience that's different because you're kind of like wanting to see something out of what your natural life is. And so being a traveler that runs across these kind of individuals, Again, you're just hearing a ton of experiences um, that you usually wouldn't do, uh, which is, you know, also why, like I was mentioning before, I've, I've visited 32 countries is it's 
able to get out there and see how other people actually live gives you a better appreciation for what people bring. It's so true. I think everyone has so many different insights. And so, I don't know, I just thought that would be awesome for everyone to hear, you know, because there's so many different people, so many different experiences. Yeah, and, and actually, like, again, uh, I have a background in uh, master's in social science and communication, but it's actually proven that if you have a five to ten minute conversation to kind of get to know each other a little bit, it actually makes traveling a lot less stressful because uh, when you're surrounded by somebody you think you know or you get a feeling of it, it takes a little anxiety off of uh, that experience. Wow. No, that's really cool. Thank you for that. <laughs> I think that's amazing. What's one thing that no one knows about you that you could share with us today? Uh, that, that one is a, a tough one. I, know. Uh, I guess one of the most kind of like out there things would be like, usually as coaches, we kind of have this image of what coaches are. Myself, I've somebody who likes to go enjoy the arts, whether it's theater events or uh, random readings of poetry or, or something like that. And so it's, it's getting out there and doing things you wouldn't naturally do um, would kind of be a lot of people even in my own life don't know because I'll go ch- check it out on my own. You know? <laughs> really? Yeah. It's usually to corral people together. It's usually people have opinions and, you know, again, whatever circle you're in, it may not be what they're trying, but trying something random as far as that goes. Um, yeah trying to think of the randomest thing I've ever really done would probably be internationally was traveling in, uh, in Bali and ended up traveling around with a few Australians and they were like, you want the Australian experience? And I was like, sure. Um, which was difficult to keep up with say the least, but uh, ended up hanging out and doing everything culturally they would do. And so that's something I usually, after you, you have the experience, I usually kind of put it away and don't really talk about it too much. Thank you so much for sharing that. No, I love, um, I love that you go out and do that. I think it's, it's awesome getting those experiences. So thank you for sharing that with us. No problem. I guess what's your next adventure? I mean, I think everyone at this point is on a uh, looking at the uh, the globe and wondering what you can actually do and when it might happen again. Um, I, I guess I kind of have a list of five trips that I've laid out. Um, cause I'm, I'm four world wonders in, and so I'm trying to see all seven. Oh, wow. So theoretically China and Russia were next on the list. Um, but again, given our current, uh, state as a country and what we're dealing with, um, it'll probably be something more local because who knows whenever the world actually opens all the borders back and gets functioning again. It's true. Um, yeah. Local, um, was looking at possibly. Uh, sailing around the Caribbean as another option, uh, oh, like in, cool. in a sailboat um, to kind of experience that. India, Taj Mahal was another one because one of the perks is if you could figure out when, when everything lifts, airlines running massive specials on flights. So if you, can, if you can hedge that bet and get it right, you would have a trip of a lifetime for a fraction of the cost, you know? So true. No, that uh, is so true. And so, again, a lot of it is just continuing to broaden the horizon. Um, and so if I went that route, it would be traveling to uh, Nepal and checking out a base camp. I'm, I'm oh. not ready in life to try the full adventure because <laughs> and that's, that's a little more uh, death-defying, I guess you can say. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just something that would be one of those bucket list items 
to kind of check off and see. So, well, no, those sound awesome. Those sound awesome, awesome. Yeah, and again, I mean, uh, part of it is is staying there long enough to really experience a little bit of the local culture because I think that's usually what is travelers. Traveler as a tourist right now, a lot of people get there, see it, move on. And you want a chance to kind of experience what built the culture, like how the people like to function, what are some normal trends, you know? Yeah. uh, I'm not as food-based, you know, I'm a little more picky as far as that goes, but even if it's a random festival that they run at a certain time of year and stuff like that. So that's kind of next on my horizon if and when things lift, you know? That's amazing. And I'm excited for your, you know, your future trips that you're going to go on your next adventures. And thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. It was, it's always fun getting an insight into coaches, their teams, their trips, and like the views you have on life. So thank you so much for joining us and letting us see those insights. No problem. And thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the 35,000 Feet Podcast, where we chat with interesting people doing interesting things in interesting places. Do you have a story that you want to share? Visit www.acanela.com slash podcast to share your story and be featured on our next episode of 35,000 Feet.